All right, everybody, about 1.30 on this Friday before Memorial Day and an hour and a half or so after the conclusion of the second gubernatorial forum, this time held in Providence at the Jewish Alliance for Rhode Island, entitled Lifting Rhode Islanders Out of Poverty. It was presented by Roger Williams University's Latino Policy Institute, and it featured six questions, which the candidates had about two minutes or so to answer and opine on as well. And honestly, for the most part, I think as compared with the previous gubernatorial forum, the the RIPAC forum that was held a couple of weeks ago, I felt like everybody on stage seemed a lot better prepared to go deeper. Of course, there were exceptions on specific questions and, you know, some some of the candidates did better than others at this. But it did feel a bit more authentic, to be completely honest. You know, it seemed like there was a lot more awareness of, okay, here's what I have done or specifically would do on this particular issue. There was a lot more of a yes or no reaction to many of the questions. There were still a lot to be desired. Let's be honest about it. This wasn't a proper debate, although although there was uh, at least one spirited moment where candidates were kind of going back and forth, and I'll get to that in a second. But, um, you know, the, the questions were on housing, systemic racism, food insecurity, Okay, electricity rates, which are, by the way, that's outrageous how high electricity rates are here in Rhode Island. It's completely, completely unacceptable. And it's something that as a population here in the state, we, we've got to, to just figure out a way. We, we can't wait on, on, on elected officials to intervene on that. That has to be something that the people rise up and say, we will not accept this. It's a natural monopoly, whatever. We need to find a way through, to put pressure on government to intervene and keep our our electricity rates and so on and so forth in in a reasonable at a reasonable rate. It's completely outrageous. But th- these questions today, you know, I felt like it gave each of the candidates a chance to kind of tee off um, on why they are best equipped to manage the crisis of poverty. So again, some did better than others at relaying a specific case. Now on stage were Governor McKee. Secretary of State Corbea, the two front runners, according to the most recent poll. You also had the GOP candidate, Ashley Kalis, well, one of two GOP candidates, certainly the front runner by a million miles in that race over Ray Herrera. Um, then you had the progressive former Secretary of State and senatorial candidate, Matt Brown, one of three leaders of the Rhode Island Political Cooperative, and Dr. Luis Daniel Munoz. And what was interesting about this was that when you talk about, you know, the snaps or the cheers, the hoots, the hollers, the yeses, the applause, and, and all that business, by far the most well-received candidates were Matt Brown and Dr. Lewis Daniel Munoz. Not even close. Now, this is a, an organizational um, tent, if you will, in terms of who was attending this that included a lot of people who are from the Providence community, folks who are part of the activist world, the Interfaith Coalition, and so you would imagine that as such, they would lean towards the more progressive candidates just as a very generic overall assessment. But I thought that was very, very striking that there was such strong reaction to what each of those two candidates said. And they both did an excellent job of laying out their case, respective cases. They really did. I, I thought Dr. Munoz was terrific today. He was a lot more... Um, Able to to explain, I think, to people who wonder what he's even doing there in this race uh, it, it, and really be a much more compelling voice. 
Uh, also in the room was Paul Rihanna, you know, the uh, the candidate for the independent candidate that's, um, you know, he's the, the former CNA who got fired because he wouldn't take the vaccine. He was in the audience wearing the Let's Go Brandon sweatshirt, disrupting at times the event, you know, shouting, first of all, shouting his own name, uh, shouting at, at candidates as they answered. So he was a bit disruptive. Nothing in, nothing outrageous where, to the point where he would have been removed, but he, I think he was getting close to that point. At, at, at one moment, it seemed like, all right, he was about ready to get kicked out. Um, and I did notice an additional state police officer showing up um, shortly after one of his outbursts. So that was going on in the background. Um, Helena Bonanno, folks, wasn't there. She tested positive for COVID, so she couldn't be there today. I think that was a, it's a, it's an unfortunate missed opportunity, okay? Um, however, interestingly enough, I was live tweeting the entire forum, which you can find at Bill Bartholomew on Twitter. And Ms. Bonanno folks was following my Twitter and retweeting what I was saying with her own answers. So she was kind of engaged. And, and I think that that's kind of interesting that she was able to respond to the specific questions that were being asked through Twitter. Obviously, that's not something it's not like they read those out loud on, on stage during the forum or anything like that. Um, but but again, if you want to see the specific answers by certain candidates, I think it's worth either watching the live stream of the debate, the, the replay of it on on Facebook, or go ahead and follow along on my Twitter account at Bill Bartholomew because I did basically take each section. Let's say housing. Here's housing, you know, and then I did a thread. Here's what Kalis had to say, a summary. Here's what McKee had to say. And I'm not going to go through that right now. I'm keeping this pretty tight right now. I just kind of wanted to give an overall assessment and analysis here rather than go through a six-point bulletin and relive the entire forum, because you may as well just, if that's going to be the case, you should just go ahead and listen to it yourself. Who cares what I have to say in that regard? Um, but I did want to, I just wanted to sort of offer this this overview. Governor McKee today, I thought that, again, he he's, in many of his answers, he is correct in that oftentimes he has done a lot of things or has proposed in his budget a lot of things that would attack, perhaps correct, many of the challenges that are raised. To a reasonable extent, of course. I mean, you'll, you'll never fully correct any of this stuff. But he, he has a tendency to point to, hey, go visit ri2030.com. Hey, go take a look at my budget, and you'll see that I proposed X, Y, and Z. And if the General Assembly passes my budget, then these things will be addressed that are being put forth. I think he still needs to get a lot more specific and be able to be succinct and explain, hey, here's, you know, here's a name of, here's five names of people who are people of color, people from underrepresented communities that I have given executive roles in my administration to, and here is what they have done. Boom. Instead of keeping it vague, I think he really does need to tighten things up. Um, I thought Secretary Gorbea today was was kind of last time uh, or kind of like last time in that she really was able to thread, um, uh, you, know, you know, the idea that she's been in government for a very long time, but she's also got the pulse of the people. You know, she's somebody who understands the formation of corporations and businesses, but she also understands the activist community. You know, she's somebody who can speak to um, the political class but is also very much so concerned about affordable housing. I thought she did a really good job of balancing that. Um, Ashley Kalis today, and I talked to Ashley Kalis after, and by the way, I asked her, I said, would you accept Donald Trump's nomination uh, uh, endorsement? 
and she refused to answer the question. So that's ridiculous. They need to clean that up here. And it, it goes for all the GOP candidates in this state. Please answer the question. If you're going to position yourself as some kind of moderate, as some kind of alternative choice, not just a you know traditional Republican, you need to be able to answer that question. It's a specific and important question that needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed right now. And she did not do it in a one-on-one with me afterwards. But I thought that during the actual forum, her appearance was much more off script and much looser than she was in the previous appearance. The previous appearance, I mean, if you closed your eyes, you literally thought you were hearing her commercial. It literally sounded like she was on script. Like literally, like someone handed her a script like, here it is. I'm going to put it in front of you. And when you get asked any uh, any specific question, go to the specific bullet points and read this. That's how it sounded in the RIPEC forum, the previous one. Today, I thought she was much looser. And I even asked her, I said, do you feel like you're becoming better at this? And she says, well, I'm not a politician. I said, well, you are a politician. You're running for office. Please. You're in a political race. You're a politician. But she did say she's getting more comfortable. I found, and again, I don't particularly agree with much of what she has to say. That's for sure. But I found that today she did a much better job of conveying who she is. I still think there's a major gap and that it needs to be addressed. And is that she going to be willing to embrace the MAGA world? I mean, we got this horrendous story with the school shootings going on that's consuming every everything in my week has been consumed by this. Just about, except for this forum. I'm sure most of yours as well. You can hardly sleep at night thinking about this stuff. Can't even imagine what's going on you know, in, in the hearts and souls and minds of the people in Uvalde, Texas, who are connected to this. If you've lost a kid, can you imagine? You know, you need to separate yourself from the far right, obsessive two-way, you know, community, even if you are a Republican in this state. Because if you don't, people are not going to even, I, I mean, who who cares? You know, in this state, who even cares about if you're going to attach yourself to that kind of garbage? You know, so she refused to answer that Donald Trump question. I think that's a major problem. But overall, I think she did a good job of being much more salient in her responses. But the two people that received the, the most whistles, hoots, hollers, applause, yeses, snaps were Matt Brown and Dr. Munoz. Now, I get it. The, 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 there were a lot of people in the room who were literally progressives in terms of running for office or part of various activist organizations, you know, the Interfaith Coalition, whatever it may be. So I get it. It's kind of uh, one Twitter follower said it's, it's, it's home field advantage. And maybe it is. But I think both Matt Brown and Dr. Munoz today, you walk away from this debate going, okay, forget the polling numbers. Both of these people showed why they are in this race. And they went back and forth on some things themselves, too. There was an interesting moment where Matt Brown asked Governor McKee if he would commit to 500 non-congregate affordable houses using the ARBA dollars immediately. The governor didn't really answer the question super soundly, but he did, again, he pointed to the budget. Afterwards, he told me, he said, look, he literally said in, in in a press gaggle, myself, Ed Fitzpatrick, and Kathy Gregg, he literally said, look, Matt Brown was camped out in a tent while we were inside the state house, actually getting housing things done. So there's a little bit of, you know, 
what's the reality of this situation, you know, in terms of it's not like McKee is completely ignoring housing. Matt Brown said it's the policy of the McKee administration that some people should sleep on the street. You know, and I don't agree with that in, in one way, shape or form. But I do think that that Governor McKee could have been more aggressive in pushing back on Matt Brown and, they, and, and that debate could have raged on. But Matt Brown today established himself not just as an outsider candidate, as someone who has command of so many issues, bringing up the port of Providence and the environmental racism that takes place in Providence, bringing up issues around food insecurity, around housing, around the lack of affordable housing around the state, about rezoning so that multifamily units can be developed statewide, which would address the housing crisis. He had specifics. He had a command of the issues. Uh, He was able to give yes, no answers right out of the gate. And to me, he absolutely raised his profile today. So too did Dr. Munoz, who called out Matt Brown, because Dr. Munoz was heavily involved in the clinics on the ground for for completing rent relief applications, and he, he wondered why was Matt Brown not there at those? You know, you talk about housing, well, Munoz is saying, I was at these rent relief clinics helping people in the community complete these these applications so that they could get money to get housing, he was calling out Matt Brown for not being there. So there was a back and forth there. But Munoz today also made a very compelling case. I'm not saying either of these guys are going to be front runners for this office. But it was very clear, much more so than at the RIPEC event, which, like, look, the RIPEC event, you got a lot of corporate executives in there. You got people probably in the top, you know, the five, upper 5% of income in the state versus today's event, a much more um, representative of the average person type of crowd. But Dr. Munoz also stepped out today and made it very clear and and it was very compelling as to why he is even in this thing. Seriously, he and Matt Brown, I walked away going, okay, interesting. They are completely 100% without question ready to answer whatever question is thrown their way with a ton of conviction. And other candidates struggle with that at times because they have to thread that needle. These guys don't care about threading the needle. And that, to me, having both of them in there actually keeps this Democratic primary specifically much more valid and is going to force other candidates to answer specific questions with specific answers. So I was actually very impressed today with Matt Brown. I was very impressed with Dr. Munoz. I thought that they had tremendous performances. Now, I don't think it's going to move polling numbers. But again, I'm not looking at it from that perspective. I'm looking at it from what's the best quality of government that we can get? What's the best quality of election that we can get? Where can ideas get turned into specific action plans? And by having those two on the stage today, you got a much deeper And I think in some cases, much more well-prepared response on certain answers. You know, Gorbea and McKee are going to be the front runners. Folks, we're going to see what she can do with name recognition in terms of of raising her profile. I do think she will appeal to a lot of of suburban Rhode Islanders. And I think some of the business class will also find her to be quite favorable. But don't discount Nelly Gorbea in that regard either. The Secretary of State did an excellent job of explaining why her resume, why her personal experience qualifies her in a unique way to address many of the challenges when it comes to poverty, particularly housing, but more than anything, engaging people in government. She gave an interesting example. 
during the height of COVID-19, Rhode Island incorporated more businesses than at any other point in time. So she asked, why can't we take that same philosophy, which is under the auspices of the Secretary of State, and apply it to Department of Human Services applications, food stamps, whatever it may be. So she's saying, look, our office was able to facilitate, process, and execute more applications for what we manage, which which is the incorporation of businesses, than in any other time in, in, in the history of the state during the height of the pandemic, while DHS, for human services, fundamental things that we need to provide to the most vulnerable, basically had to pause at times during the height of COVID-19. And her point was, look, both of them are submitting applications to the government and having someone inside government process it in an expeditious manner. So that's an interesting look at things. Now, there's some specific debate right now over whether or not the McKee administration is going to privatize Department of Human Services uh, jobs that are vacant. I think it's like 48 of them are going to go to the private sector. That went back and forth. That, 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 those types of things are less interesting to me at this point in time because things come and go in government all the time that we roll our eyes at. We go, oh, geez, that's wrong. Those should be union jobs. Those should be state jobs. That should not be privatized. But, 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 but by and large, it's not like McKee and his team are privatizing the entirety of government. You know, you got a specific example where you need a contractor to come in and fill fill roles that are unfilled, so you can get things moving. If it's going to be private sector, okay, I guess that's how it is. It's not great. It's not what we want, but it's how it's going to be. But I think McKee, to keep up with Gorbea, and to fend off the challenges that are being presented of a Matt Brown and a Dr. Munoz who have compassion and, and, and um, or it's just a passion and, and compelling and specific, well-thought-out, experiential answers to many of these, these, these social questions in particular, but even economic ones. I think that the McKee team needs to get more specific. Their messaging needs to be, here's not a vague example of something that I did or will do or could happen if my budget passes, but here is exactly what I do. He gives some. He gives one. I'll give you it right here. With the mayoral academies and with lifting members of the Latino community that struggled on a statewide basis, certainly, but but in his under his auspices as mayor of Cumberland, by developing the mayoral academies, you know, he was able to raise those graduation rates and and testing numbers. He wants to implement that on a statewide basis. Okay, there's a specific in education where you, you get the right after-school programming, the right summer programming in place. You can, you can raise standard of living for people. But my, my big takeaway from this is that he needs to do a better job of just keeping up with Gorbea on humanizing issues and keeping them specific and be less on the defensive. I mean, he's going to find himself there, of course, as the incumbent. That's just natural. That's how it's going to be. Position himself as an expert the way that others in this race are doing so. And as for Ashley Kales, again, she did a better job today. You know, I gave her a hard time after the last debate. You guys probably heard it on the podcast or saw my tweets or whatever, but I gave her a hard time. I thought she I thought she she stunk it up last time. You know, she sounded like she was reading a script. I didn't think she was gonna be able to name a state beach. They asked them last time what, what's your favorite state beach? I didn't think she was gonna have one. I mean, I don't think she's that connected to Rhode Island in any way, shape, or form. They're going to try to sell you on that. But today, she did a better job. We learned more about her. 
She told us that she was kicked out of her house when she was 18. She experienced food insecurity. You know, she was a terrible student. And then she started a business and was was fabulously successful in that business. So that's a that's a more humanized story. Now, just tell me, what are you are you okay with Trump? Are you okay with with you know assault weapons being available to the general public? You know, where, where do you stand on that stuff? Because because if you if you dismiss all that garbage, you know the MAGA nut jobs. If you dismiss all that garbage, all of a sudden, you know, I'm not saying that you're going to win over all the Democratic voters of Rhode Island, but you're going to be taken more seriously. And you're going to bring a perspective that's more valued. So she needs to answer the Trump question. I, I mean, I asked her twice and she wouldn't answer. And then they give the smile and the, here comes the media guy. He comes in. All right, we're leaving. You know, see you later. Okay, bye. We left in fine terms. It wasn't like we were arguing. And I, I don't generally argue with anybody. And I believe I'm the only reporter that interviewed her afterwards. You know, everybody else either got out of there or was, was, was talking to McKean. So I don't get it. I don't know why she wouldn't answer that question. At some point here, we're not going to have these inter-party um, gubernatorial forums anymore. It'll start to become politi- uh, uh, political party-oriented, and we'll start to have a Democratic primary. And that's where Matt Brown and Dr. Munoz, I go, okay, I get why they're in this race. If nothing else, the dynamics of the conversation and the quality of government that we're going to get out of this experience of having an election in 2022 is going to go up. Because they're there and they have specific answers and it's going to force the other candidates to be able to to get into a a competent debate with Brown and Munoz. Unless they say, the hell with it, we're not showing up for the debates. Pull the Gina Raimondo, pull the Alan Fung. Well, you don't even come and debate your, your primary opponents, which they may very well do. And it's one thing, I mean, it'd be, it's outrageous. And if McKee doesn't do it, you know, that's that, that you know, that that's what Ramundo did in 2018. But imagine if both McKee and Gorbea say, you know what? Eh, we're not going to debate. We're not going to debate. I don't think it'll come to that. I think we're going to have a spirited debate. and We're gonna actually going to have this is actually going to be a productive election. And I got that feeling today by watching um, watching Brown and Munoz for real. For real, you know. And again, I like all these people, you know, some, some, some people say, I got to, you know, you got to go in there and be totally uh, by it. Look, folks, I, I know these people now, you know, I'm, I'm not friends, friends with them. You know, we're not going out to dinner tonight or anything like that, but I like all these people. You know what I mean? The terms of the democratic candidates. I think, I think they all bring something to the table and I just hope that we continue to watch them grow and we continue to watch our political conversations become more and more mature and more and more specific. All right, everybody, have a great Memorial Day weekend. We'll talk to you next week on Bartholomew Town. Take care.